Hello, and welcome to the Overland Journal podcast. I am your host, Scott Brady, and I'm here with my co-host, Matt Scott. And I've somehow forgotten how to use all of these controls on this thing. I didn't hit record the first time, and then I just let the music keep playing. Computers are hard. I know. I well, dislike there's, them. There's a, just a few buttons on here and I can't seem to master any of them. And that, that's a lot of buttons. There's <laughs> at least nine. Nine. <laughs> oh no. So we're talking about the all new-ish. I can't say all new. We're talking about the- Mostly new. Mostly new 2022 mm-hmm. Nissan Frontier. It is always good to see companies like Toyota or Nissan or like in the background right now, we have the new Ford Bronco behind Matt. We're seeing this kind of golden age, or I think you summed it up, like the swan song of the internal combustion four-wheel drives. 100%. And it's almost like every engineer knows that. And it's like the last time to make the great frontier or the last time to make what will be now the new Tacoma or the new Tundra that we're going to be seeing here in the next couple of weeks in its entirety. The Bronco, all of these yeah. vehicles, it's almost like they're all taking it really serious and we're all benefiting from it. One of this week's sponsors, Rumpel Blankets. Rumpel started started literally in the back of a van. Their story is interesting. They were on a surf and ski trip through California and the founders of Rumpel were sleeping in a van several miles up a dirt road near a secret hot springs. They woke up the next morning in sub-zero temperatures in a car that wouldn't start. They were outside of cell reception and confronted with the real possibility of a long walk into town. So instead they decided to bundle up in their sleeping bags and drink whiskey while they waited for someone else to show up. And that turned into hours and the conversation extended on to the subject of bedding and they came up with Rumpel Blankets. Their most popular product is the original Puffy Blanket. It is their flagship product and it's available in a one-person, a two-person, and a junior size. I have used the two-person for many years. I keep it as part of my kit that lives in the vehicle just in case I run into a situation similar to what they did where I'm stranded and need some additional warmth and insulation. It's also really useful for around the camp fire when you want that little bit of extra comfort. Um, I'll also use it when sleeping in the vehicle and then they are just the right size for a roof tent as well. So these are really high quality blankets that are weather resistant. They're made from recycled materials. They're washable and they have very durable fabrics and construction, which makes them ideal for overland travel. Check out Rumple for your next blanket. Well, they have to, otherwise the internal combustion engine was just kind of a failure. Right. I know people will hate hearing that, but I mean, they cannot match the performance of electric cars um, and the form factor will drastically change. You no longer will have to, you know, have the design necessity of a large engine and cooling and all of these different things that come along with it. So it'll be really interesting to see where it goes. But, you know, I, I really do think that a lot of people, you know, love to hate on modern four wheel drives. Sure. Um, but maybe they just haven't driven them. I think a lot of times that they haven't driven them. Yeah. And I think if you look at how most people view the world is that they they've invested a lot in whatever they drive. Yeah. Right. So if they're driving like a, a mid nineties Ford pickup truck yep. or, or Ford Ranger from the mid nineties and they've got 
50 grand in the thing. It's going to be really difficult to wrap your head around the fact that the new vehicle from Nissan is going to be better in almost every single way. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's difficult. It is difficult for all of us to make a big investment, get really personally vested in something, a brand or a particular model. And it's really hard, especially on the interwebs to like acknowledge that something, it's just okay if something's cool. Well, there's that internet meme, yeah. hard pills to swallow. Yeah, exactly. Like that was like my 80 series for me, you know, oh, it's got the diesel. It's got everything on paper yeah. that everybody on the internet says is great. Well, and Dan Greck has got an article in the next issue of Overland Journal where he does, I think, a very compelling job of making the argument for driving around the world in modern vehicles. And he brings up a bunch of examples, including my own defender that I have with Marcos. And he was here to like hang out. So we go to the coffee shop and I'm like, I'm like, so, you know, the brakes don't work. I mean, or the, the brake lights don't work and the turn signals well, don't it's work. it's a classic car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like you're, you're, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage the people in the dealership take a take a defender to a Land Rover dealership yeah. anywhere now. Other than Land Rover Las Vegas, probably, yeah, but yeah, that's it. They're great. But that's the reality of it is that he drove essentially a stock TJ around South America with no failures. He yep. tightened up some like shifter linkage that was getting loose, and that was and it. TJs weren't like they the weren't greatest. super reliable. Yeah. And then he takes his JK around Africa and essentially has no mechanical failures. So now we have to look at the the contrarian view of that. If, if you do have a failure with a modern vehicle, yeah, that's going to become very complicated. So the likelihood of it failing is lower, but if it does, you can't like Ray Highland did where you, you make a, a seal from someone's hat, yeah. you know, and to like reseal the engine, like it's going to be a problem to get a technician and parts and everything in to repair it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, uh, we've both put a lot of miles on Jeep products and I've never yeah. had a single issue. I can't think of a single issue I've ever had with one. Yeah. I mean, the the JK that I bought in 2009 that ended up becoming the Earthroamer XVJP that I had, zero issues yeah. with that, including all the way down to Panama, nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had some problems with the Earthroamer parts, but like nothing with the Jeep. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's just interesting. I mean, I think modern vehicles are, uh, well, I mean, first off, let me preface this by just saying, drive whatever you want. It doesn't yeah, matter. Exactly. Just, just actually get out and do something. <laughs> right. Like, don't be somebody that like lives on Instagram and doesn't actually do it or does it for Instagram. Um, do it for the gram. Do it for the gram. Yeah. But you know, modern vehicles are cheaper to service, cheaper to run. Um, my, my gladiator, and I was lucky enough to have the gladiator and the diesel 80 at the same time, both relatively similarly equipped, you know, to the mm-hmm. proportions of the vehicle. Um, you know, the, the 80 would get a little bit better gas mileage, but it required oil changes every 3000 miles with expensive filters, like, 74 gallons of diesel oil. Um, it didn't stop. Diesel, diesel is more, it didn't stop very well, <laughs> even though it that was the, the problem. It's actually a great any car. Any of the go. If you're listening, Kevin, it was a really great car. Um, but just uh, don't try to stop it quickly. You know, the gladiator ran on regular gas, right. runs on regular gas. It is $29 to get an oil change anywhere. You know, there's Jeep dealers. I have a fly. You're getting attacked I'm, by a I'm fly right now. By, it is yeah. the monsoon season yeah. in Arizona, so there's moisture. It's the Land Cruiser things, fly. Things, right? like, yeah. It's like the Land yeah. Cruiser gods. <laughs> the Land Cruiser. Buy a troopy. And be but miserable. even then, like a, a, a 200 series Land Cruiser is one of the most durable, reliable Land Cruisers ever made. And it's mm-hmm. well documented. Well documented. Very, very durable. Yeah. But so, we're talking about the 2022 Nissan Frontier today. We are. Which yeah. is based on the 2005 
<laughs> Nissan Frontier. Sorry, Loosely. I have to say that. Yeah, the frame the frame is very similar. Um, there are some changes. It looks great. It does. Uh, of of like minded vehicles, the you know the Ranger Tacoma, yeah, Colorado. I think it's the best looking on the market right I now. I agree. Um, yeah, it look it looks great, and I was I was fortunate to be able to go to their press event and get a chance to drive the vehicle. And one of the upsides, um, I mean, I, I shouldn't even say it that way, but due to COVID, you cannot drive with another driver in the vehicle, so they hand you your own truck. I, I so. love when you go to press events and you like say something semi-intelligent and ends up in like four other stories. <laughs> I know you, you can't, you cannot disclose your findings. Yeah. You, no matter how much you like them. Cause a lot of them on are the wonderful. four wheel drive side. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but generally when yeah. we go to press events, we're probably the more four wheel drive oriented people. Sure. It's, it's no, no disrespect. I mean, a lot of these guys are, you know, usually reviewing like Toyota Camrys or yeah, something. Totally. Um, and there's a, larger market for that than there is four wheel drives. And there's um, always guys that are there like Sean Holman and others that are fantastic drivers and Sean's, super experienced. And, and those Sean's are the ones, awesome. yeah. And those are the ones that are fun to, yeah. yeah. And Sean writes for four wheeler and, motor and trend, some yeah. and motor trend. And he has his own podcast. What's his podcast? The truck show, the truck show sponsored by Nissan. Oh, there you go. Back to, yeah. Nissan. Back to the Nissan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was a tangent, but that was kind of a fun one though. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the, uh, the new, Frontier is notable in a couple so you, ways. Yeah, so you drove this. I thing. did, and I they throw us the keys, hop on the road, and you immediately notice the performance. So, three hundred and ten horsepower V six, nine speed automatic, naturally aspirated, and and naturally aspirated. Although we were at altitude in Utah, so you know, I hope that the the opinions that come out on the drivetrain take into consideration the fact that we were at six thousand feet or more. Yeah, which is going to affect how much power you feel that the vehicle has because of the elevation. But given the elevation that we were at, it was a great performer on the high end of the RPM range. It does get a little rough, kind of like the previous model did. Um, so it's not smooth all the way up to redline, but it's certainly not um, annoying or even it's really also not a super expensive vehicle. Totally. You know, it's not going to be a sewing machine nine eleven. But what, what is the contrary to that? They have done such a good job with, you know, attention towards NVH. So noise, vibration, and harshness have all improved. They've got hydraulic dampers. They've got better insulation in the cab. They're using this higher quality glass that reduces the, the, Ooh, the laminated glass. It, I believe it's in the front and on the side, on the driver and passengers did read side, um, which it is very noticeable because I, yeah. I have recently driven the previous edition and it's night and day. It is much more comfortable. Yeah. And you notice it. And plus with the nine speed, it just kind of stays in the power band and all the touch points have improved quality wise. The seats are nice and comfortable, um, you know, for a midsize value minded truck. I think it's something you could enjoy driving for decades. Um so you have that reliability of the previous models, but the technology is there now, the comfort's there now, and definitely the on-road driving performance has improved a lot. So, you know, there's a couple things that immediately come to mind for me because most of our audience is going to be interested in the Pro 4X. So the Pro 4X, it gets you, you know, a 54 to one low range, which in an automatic is more than sufficient. In totally. fact, the low range is so low that the hill descent control is almost not even needed a consideration. Um, even though we'll talk about the hill descent control in a little bit, but um, you know, so 
a 5.42 to one first gear, which when you compare it to the Tacoma with the six speed automatic, and that has 3.6 to one first gear. I mean, that's always been my concern with the Tacoma is they didn't gear the transmission correctly. So you have this engine that develops lower torque at lower RPMs and you combine it with too tall of a first gear, it actually just, it feels not only uninspiring if you're doing any towing or the vehicle's heavily loaded, it feels dangerous. Fact that the Frontier addresses that with this 5.42 to one first gear, I think is a real advantage. Um, in my mind, you know, you got a locking rear differential, you have traction control that works when the locker's on and it works when your left foot braking, mm. which most manufacturers get that wrong. Um, you know, Toyota gets it right with the a track Land Rover always gets it right. Of course, but a lot of the OEMs when you're left foot braking with an automatic transmission, it cancels the traction control. It's defeating the purpose. I mean, it, it's not an advantage to the driver. Yeah, It's got this, these Bilstein shocks front and rear with an all new suspension architecture and the rear suspension has got these progressive jounces just like a Timberin mm, does. So cool. you, yeah, you've got these super progressive tall jounces that they work great. I mean, this, the Nissan has less suspension travel than the Tacoma. We know that. I mean, it's like in the order of like an inch in the front, which is all an infinity in an IFS, Yeah, but they have done such a good job of tuning these Bilstein shocks that you don't even notice. Well, it. there's definitely something to that. I mean, there's, there's the amount of travel and there's, and there's how much you use it. Right. So. Yeah. How you take advantage of it. Right. And they did such a great job with that. And then in the rear, they put in these progressive jounces. So even on larger events and G outs, mm. it's just very progressive. It feels well, it's a super simple smooth. solution to, uh, you know, to something that a lot of other manufacturers kind of turn to more expensive or more complicated True ways. Yeah. So true. And, and you're saying $37,000 for that pro four X. Yeah. Which is like, it's a bargain in my mind. I think so. I, I mean, don't think you can buy a 10 year old Tacoma for $37,000. I don't know There's, if you can buy a Tacoma for that. Yeah, like, I, well, yeah. I mean, they're just so even then, even a used one, they're so valuable. I, I, I have so this expensive. question when people buy used Tacomas, I'm like, I think it's cause like right now you, when you can't, you can't get even get it right now. So you're yeah, buying yeah. something used. But you're right. I think the, the financial argument for a used, a few year old Tacoma just isn't there. You just yeah. wait, you just be patient. Wait, I mean, what's the starting price of a gladiator? I think it's 30, 34, nine. Yeah. I mean, I know that you can, you can buy a $70,000 sure. gladiator if you're diesel, diesel Rubicon. Rubicon, all that stuff. I mean, I think mine was 62. Yeah. It was so long ago. And in, <laughs> in, in the realm of how long I usually keep cars, I know. like, in fact, I'm always surprised when it shows up, I'm like, Oh, he still has that. I really like it. Like what else? <laughs> it's great. The only thing I want more than my gladiator is my gladiator with a 392. Yeah. And, and Jeep. <clears throat> I mean, I mean, think of, I mean, the diesel though was really nice. Have you driven the diesel one? think so. Didn't we have one? Yeah, we did. I liked it. I, re- I but have then no again, memory I, of this. But then again, though, you and I have totally different. We are actually in two different planets when it comes to enjoyment of horsepower. So like, like it doesn't mean that I don't enjoy horsepower, but for whatever reason, when it comes to four wheel drives, I don't even really think about it. Yeah. So See, I like the horsepowers. <laughs> yeah. I just bought a TRX for, for listeners. Um, Which is how many horsepowers? 702, baby. <laughs> that's, a, that's incredible. That's incredible. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. I love this car. We'll do a podcast on that later. Um, I mean, that is, that is, it has launch th- control. Yeah. And it, that's three Tacomas worth of horsepower. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's really amazing. But when you buy desirable cars and you don't keep them for too long, you don't really lose money on them. So you can kind of cycle through things. You can't drive Bitcoin, man. You can't you, drive Bitcoin. But yeah, you've done really I mean, well with used, cars. Used cars are up 20% this yep, year. That's right. So And Bitcoin is down at least that much. Yeah. It's like the, the, the mythical Bitcoin millionaire that everybody knows. It's yeah. like, it's like an MLM for millennials. Well, I think a lot of them did make money, but then they didn't sell yeah. when they had the opportunity to, and then they just wrote it right back down again. Although if you bought Bitcoin 10 years ago and you still have it, you're a mini, mini schoolionaire. Yeah. But they just don't, those people just aren't really out there. They, you, you read about the guy who had it on his laptop and then he threw his laptop away and he's trying or the to- guy that spent like 700 <laughs> Bitcoin on a pizza. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interesting how these all work together, right? Sure. He's not happy with himself. (laughs) Hopefully that pizza was really good. When you look at the frontier, it's always been the, and and this is even not even fair to say, but in a way, I think the market has seen it as the also ran. Yeah. Despite the fact that it sold in excellent numbers, 70,000 units regularly in recent years, it won our value award for the Overland Journal midsize truck of the year test. It really is. And it's also the most reliable vehicle according to JD Power and Associates, which there seems to be on the interweb, some confusion around JD Power results. So people will say, ah, you know, they, they, they bought that JD Power award, but I know like Nissan doesn't spend money on anything. So, I you know, I don't they, think Nissan paid off JD Power to get, I think they send you like surveys. Cause I think yeah. I get JD Power surveys, yeah, which exactly. I throw in the trash. Yeah. Well, so you're not part of that factor. Like I've seen some of them. But like it's I remember because you don't own the car long enough to be able to do the three month quality thing. Right. Hey, I mean, maybe I could do the six months. <laughs> six months. <laughs> Wait, like you said, you have owned the Gladiator since 2019, 2018, end of 2019, 2019, April. Yeah. April, 2019. That's when she was born. My little baby forever ago. My little gladiator. I love her. <laughs> Him, whatever it is, whatever it wants to identify us. Yes, that's fine. I don't really care. Um, Cause it's awesome. Yeah. So it's, it's got great reliability legacy. I mean, you're thinking about the same company that makes the patrol. I mean, so Nissan does make good quality vehicles. Mm. And I think that that's a consideration when you look at a vehicle like this in my mind. Yeah. And you combine that with the fact that it's a great looking truck, a really comfortable truck to drive, plenty of power, which is like, it makes it fun. It makes it where you can tow almost 7,000 pounds, I believe is the rating on it. Um, and when I, when I drove it, I had some takeaways uh, that really stood out. I mean, it's got the best steering feel of any midsize mm. truck. So the Ford was really good, but this is even better because it's, it's variable rate oh, and it's electrically assisted. So you get this heavy truck feel, this mechanical heavy truck feel, but then at low speeds, it gets this electric assist and then it varies the rate based upon speed and a bunch of other things. And as a result on the trail, you get good feedback and not too much effort. And then on the road, you get this very on center, very direct feel out of the steering. So Nissan nailed it on the steering in my mind. Like we talked about the NVH noise vibration harshness is way down. So way more comfortable. There was a couple things that I noticed. One of the things that I didn't like is that when you go into manual mode on the transmission, you typically want it, unless it's way outside of range, you want it to stay in the gear that you've selected. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Like you could be driving very spirited where 
the transmission shifting could upset upset the stability of the chassis. And so I was driving in a very spirited manner and I'm keeping it in third. And you're relying on engine braking. That's right. And I want lots of engine braking, but I also want this like smooth transition through the turn. So like I'm coming into the corner, it's a, you know, decreasing radius uphill corner. And I, and I start feeding into the throttle and I'm at probably 4,200 RPMs now and it downshifts downshifts and look, cause I didn't ask it to, it just downshifted and went to the moon. It went almost to red line. So now I've got nothing left and it totally upset the vehicle. And so that was one thing that I noticed is when it's a manual selection mode, I get it. Like if you're lugging the thing at 1200 RPMs, go ahead and downshift. But if someone's already romping along at 4,200 RPMs, don't send it to red line. It may- it had just enough room in the gear to make the downshift yeah. and then it went right into red line. So I'm banging off the rev limiter and I'd like to see that improved. So that's one, but that's a minor gribble, you know, could be but, pre-production tuning as well. Yeah, for sure. So that was the only thing that I really noticed on the road stuff. I mean, it's better than the Tacoma in most ways on the road, much quieter, much more responsive. I, I think, you know, it's hard to argue against the Tacoma. Yeah. It's just that drivetrain. Yeah. That's it. Like literally. I know that I rag on the Tacoma a lot, hundred percent because of the drivetrain. Yeah. And the payload. Yeah. Those are the only two things that I would possibly well, say. Well, it's a small truck, but you know. Yeah. But I mean, it should be able to, well, they, it should be able to have a higher payload than a Jeep Wrangler. The Jeep Wrangler now has a 1300 pound payload, maybe even 1395. Yeah. I would think a Tacoma TRD Pro should, at le- as a truck, should at least be able to carry as much weight as a Jeep Wrangler. I'm just saying. I, I have received feedback that I am not kind to the Toyota Tacoma. Oh. Um, so I am trying thing really sucks, man. I mean, like that <laughs> we the, still need that. We need, we were talking about getting the Tacoma button, like the easy the button. Tacoma button. Like, like every time I hit it, I insult the Tacoma that 3.5 Atkinson. Yeah. Like, I yeah. think that's, this is the biggest case for the frontier. Sure. You know, the 2021 frontier, the, the D 40, I believe mm-hmm. that it's, that it's called. It's hard to argue against the utility of it, but it just, it didn't compete in my opinion it wasn't a modern offering, right? You know, yep. it, it was originally a launched in 2004. Yeah. It ran until 2021 in this market. Like that, that is, uh, we'll it's get a long into, time. yeah, we'll, we'll get into, you know, so that means that it was, it started to be designed in the nineties. Yeah. And it would, it is still sold. I, I, I'm just not crazy about that. Oh, well, so, I mean, I guess that makes means that the chassis that this is based on. It's getting up there. It's getting up there. But too. I mean, like how much do you need to change a, yeah, I think there's definitely an argument for not, know, not spending that. the money on that. Spend yeah. the money on the suspension and the tuning and all that other stuff, right? The thing is, is that we don't hate Tacomas. We just know Toyota can do a little bit better because they're yeah. so, it's such a great company and they make such great vehicles. Well, I, the, the argument that I will make is that if you don't, if, if people with a little bit of a voice or in, in the media do not push these car companies, um, you end up with you know, even though this is a nice option, you end up with this. Yeah. Nissan is only spending the money that they have to, to be competitive in the market. Same as, same as Toyota. Right. right. When I was running unsealed four by four, um, I drove the D 23, which launched in 2014. Right. That's a five link frontier. They call it a Navara, basically the same thing. That's a five link coil sprung rear end. Um, really balanced, really modern interior, Loved the look of it. Really diesel. Cool. I mean, yeah, you can get it with a the diesel. They sell it in Mexico, which is the crazy thing. Yeah. But they only have to be as competitive as their closest competition. And you right. have Ford, who's selling Americans a truck that I want to say was has been manufactured since 2011. Yeah. Which isn't that bad. 
Although they, they win on that. I mean, that drivetrain is really it's great. great. Yeah. Ford does, yeah. Ford does great things with drivetrain, but Tacoma, they didn't really try that hard. So why would Nissan try very hard? Yeah. They don't need to retool that frame Yeah, because there's really no necessity for it. You know, other than I think that for me, and this is purely personal, it's not a negative about the vehicle because they did such a great job of tuning the rear suspension, but I was fully expecting to see the five link because yeah. Nissan has always done that. They were the first uh, to come out with uh, the four door yeah. pickup. They were the first to come out with, you know, all these little things, uh, you know, they were, they had all these firsts. I was totally expecting a five link. I mean, I, I was told by the CEO of Nissan Australia at the time that this vehicle would be in the United States in 2015. Right. And maybe it's not because Toyota showed their cards right around yeah, that same time. Sure they did. Yeah. That's, that's, that's speculation. Um, yeah. But I know that that chassis was designed to be launched in the United States. Yeah. And it's like, well, if you could offer a better product, why not? Mm-hmm. Um, because the, the, the problem that this frontier is going to have, in my opinion, um, is it is competitive now. You have a new Ford Ranger coming out. You have an inevitable update to the Tacoma. Yep. Um, Very soon. Which I'm has, sure. the Tacoma has a lot of advantages. As you're saying, it has more ground clearance, the way it's kind of engineered and designed, everything. And the aftermarket up. support. All they have to do to fix that vehicle is find a little bit more payload mm-hmm. and a different drivetrain, so, which is which is super easy. Yeah. Like well, this is relatively, yeah. relatively easy, right? Um, I think that Tacoma looks good. I think the frontier looks better, you know, so it's competitive now, mm-hmm. but why are they, I, it, it would be interesting to be a fly, a fly <laughs> on the wall. Sorry, they're fly for, for those that aren't watching us on YouTube. Uh, yeah, we're being a f- attacked by a single, it must be the PR minder from Nissan. Yeah. Maybe it's not actually the Tacoma. <laughs> what was the decision to not bring that here? Right. I, I just think it has to be said, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to stop talking about it, but it's a really great car. I mean, it Mercedes for the X class, the only pickup truck Mercedes has ever done limited production. They only ran it, I think for two years, they used the Nissan chassis. Yeah. Like if that doesn't say something, yeah. Um, Nissan would not use a chassis that came out in 2004. Mercedes would not use a chassis that came out in 2004. Right. You know, it, it, it wouldn't be competitive. Yeah. So, I was just fully expecting Nissan to grab that first and have the five. Especially link. with this fantastic exterior. It yeah. looks great. Yeah. And, and if you think about it, I mean, by the time this podcast goes to air, we'll be past the embargo, but the new Tundra is a five link coil sprung rear suspension. Raptor has gone to it. Yep. 1500 has gone to it from the 20, Ram. The 2500 Ram. 2500 Ram. Um, you know, there are some advantages, I think, you know, two coil springs. Just some people on the 3500 Ram prefer, sorry, the, they prefer the leaf springs, something to do with how it tracks down the road or something. I never really uh, experienced any issues with my 2500. Well, it handles a, a wider range of payload. Yeah. A, a coil spring has a narrower operating range, yeah. but, but they ride better to begin with. So you don't need to yeah. make them so progressive like you do with a leaf spring. But it's an interesting. We're at that, you know, to kind of go back to where we were at this, you know, kind of golden age of the, you know, internal combustion. Yeah. Four wheel drives. There's Swan a lot song. of stuff on the market right now. Yeah. Really, um, really good stuff. I mean, you know, Chevy's killing it, mm-hmm. you know, with yeah, the little Colorado. I mean, Colorado when I, and the when I drove GM AT4. Yeah. When I drove that AEV Bison Bison for, yeah. from the Colorado, that thing was incredible. Little diesel front and rear lockers, that multimatic suspension system. I mean, it was, it is class leading. I mean, you just can't, you just cannot get that combination for what we want in anything else, which is why it won our test. But you know, it's, um, 
Yeah, it's pretty impressive everything that's going on. And and I guess maybe just to kind of wrap up Frontier, you know, off-road, the rear suspension was great. The Bilstein tuning, whoever at Nissan tuned those shocks deserves a an award because I've never seen an out-of-the-box you know, mid-sized yeah. truck that has that Bilstein, precise of, of damping. It, it's cool to see Bilstein stepping it up. Yeah. You know, there's been a lot of emphasis on, oh, it's got Fox shocks. I'm like, yeah, cool. Yeah. I mean, Fox, Fox makes great, great shocks, but like stuff. It, it's not, it's not just stick a Fox sticker on something and now it's, yeah. But I think that's what a lot of the manufacturers are doing is they're, they're not really, really tuning it. They're just saying, we're going to go with Fox and, and then the yeah, customer's going to be happy. Yeah. Whereas what I found with this one, and also this is personal preference too, I prefer a vehicle that has a heavier rebound. And I realized that because of the fact that the Nissan has less suspension travel, that's part of the reason why they have to make the valving a little firmer on rebound so that they still give some compliance on compression, but then the rebound helps control the jounce and the, you know, the, the vehicle extending off of an event. And, um, but I did find that I was getting some pretty notable clunking out of the front suspension on like a little bit, not, not big events. It's like the vehicle wasn't even being pushed hard. It was just loose baby head rocks kind of bouncing up off of rocks and things like that. And I was getting some clanking out of the suspension. So I think this may have been early production. So maybe it didn't have an internal jounce in the shock fitted. Um, but that was one thing that I noticed there. Um, again, the steering off-road was excellent. The hill descent control was the best I've ever used, even better than the Defender for Mm. smoothness. The problem with it is that it's not adjustable. So if you go into manual mode on the transmission and you go from first to second, it doesn't change the threshold. Mm. If you, how else do we do it on those vehicles when we want to make it go slower? Hill descent control. I I refuse to use it. Yeah. It is not very hard to just like put it in a low gear and then like occasionally (laughs) use the brakes when you start overdriving it. Well, for me, it's the, yeah, for you and I, I I can see that because I don't use hill descent control typically, but for someone who's maybe new to driving off highway, it would be such a confidence booster because this thing, it's so smooth. Terrifies me. Yeah, I know. Letting go, letting go of control. Yeah, exactly. Cause you're literally like, okay, I'm going to take my foot off the brake as I go off of this precipice. Right. But it, uh, it was super good, but it isn't adjustable. It isn't driver adjustable. So it's just one speed you can't change it on this on the cruise control nothing so i'd like to see that taking your foot off the brake and and entrusting it to japanese electronics is one thing yeah um the land rover stuff always (laughs) terrified me i'm sorry but like like i love the land rover people they're wonderful but like they haven't had a great track record with electronics and then especially with hill descent control it it regularly went out we have a problem with electronics let's keep digging the hole that we're in and adding more electronics on top of more electronics that continue to not work yeah right well and and on my i had a discovery one and it would regularly the hill descent control would stop working i get that wasn't i get the the d2 yeah yeah I'm sorry. On the D2, the little I say D1, button. yeah, D yeah, yeah. on the D2, the 2001 Discovery Two that I had, and then uh, you would get the the three amigos, and so you could you could be trusting the hill descent in the middle of a descent, and it would just stop stop working, you know, which of course was terrifying. So, but it, the Nissan maybe that's because I'm a Land Rover guy at heart. Of course we are. We love them. Yeah. Like there's so much about it that like they get so much right and they just miss the mark. It's, it's just why on, I don't trust electronics. Yeah, for sure. We have a, we have trust issues with electronics from being Land Rover owners. Yeah. 
the call, the crawl ratio is great. The, the traction 54 to one. Yeah. 54 to one, which is for an automatic is unbelievable. That's right. Really good. Um, the, the traction control is super smooth. Like you don't even really notice that it's intervening and it's constantly working and it, and it works with the left foot braking, which is really important. And now for a quick break from one of our supporters on X off-road. If you're driving or riding on dirt this summer, don't leave home without the Onyx off-road GPS app. For less than a tank of gas, get access to 550,000 miles of trails and roads and 985 million acres of public land for camping, fishing, exploring, and all of your outdoor adventures. Onyx off-road maps are fully interactive, meaning you can tap anywhere on the map for detailed information. Check out featured trails for trail descriptions, photos, difficulty ratings, and more. Your maps will even work without cell coverage, so you never have to worry about getting lost. Go to onyxoffroad.com and use the code OJ at checkout for 20% off right now. Thanks, Onyx. It does feel like the suspension's locked down, but I think that's because it's it doesn't have a lot of travel. So they really did what they could to to manage that, but you really only notice it like higher speed, um, gravel road, corrugations. Yeah. It tries to step out a little bit. Well, that's where that older chassis is. You know, you, we fit larger tires to vehicles now. We sure. expect more suspension travel. We expect more out of vehicles in yeah. 2021 than we did in 2004. Well, and again, that Bronco that's just right behind you there, what does that have in the rear? Lots. Coil I mean, over. It's, got coil like a, overs, it's basically right? got a 6,100, you know, spec trophy design kind of with this big trailing arm and like it's amazing. over that good. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's pretty awesome. I like it. And then I think that a couple little downsides, I did notice the clunk. Um, the suspension is locked down a little bit. Uh, the rear locker switch position is like, totally in the wrong spot. And, you know, the people that were there, of course, the, the Nissan people are, they're truly wonderful. Like they're one of the nicest groups that you deal with. And they're like, yeah, we, we, we know it was so far, like when the steering wheel locks off road, cause I mean, not the steering wheel, the, the seatbelt locks off road, you cannot reach the locker button. So you're like bouncing up. Where tr- is it? It's way down, like by your ankle. <laughs> it's like, it's as far away as you could possibly put it from the driver. Oh. Um, on the left side of the dash. Oh, so it's like, it's, it's like, like down a, where you'd put the parking brake thing, like right? A, yeah. Reach. You can't get it. You can't get to the locker button. So if you're, if you're kind of like bouncing up a trail and you need, you're like, oh, this is getting a little rowdy and you want to lock the rear diff. You can't actually reach the rear diff without stopping, which of course is a big problem or removing your seatbelt. So, so anyways, I, I, uh, I went with the remove the seatbelt option as opposed mm. to stopping. Oh boy. Yeah. So it's an easy thing for them to fix, but it is worth noting since we, we like to include the full spectrum of what we liked and didn't like. So four wheel disc brakes too. Mm. What else has that in the segment? The, uh, Colorado does the Colorado. Ranger, Ranger does. Mm. Well, only the Tacoma has I, the Tacoma may be the only remaining. Well, I mean, the Tacoma's now with, with now the oldest brakes. in the segment, right? Or would Colorado have come out slightly before that? Yeah, they were pretty contemporary to each other. Yeah. I mean, the Tacoma may be the only remaining passenger vehicle. Well, it's, it's, interesting, it's interesting that the segment is heating up. Yeah. Right. I love it. Um, that's going to be good, you know, for everyone. I think it's important to, I don't want to say, you know, call out things that they could have tried harder on, but yeah. 
kind of have to, you know? Yeah. We've got to be able to share our full experience, but I really like, like, would I drive that truck, the Nissan frontier every day? Absolutely. Yeah. And it looks great. I think it looks great. The only negative that I can find that's a, like a glaring negative is that there's not a lot of aftermarket support for Nissan. And if there's anything that overlanders like to do, it's to, well, I mean, maybe that fidget, is the, fidget with you know, gear, the, right? the diamond in the rough with the fact that it's very similar to previous vehicles. I mean, it's the same, same chassis. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't know if the suspension you know. is that much the same, but yeah. And it, the truck also doesn't need much. I think it would benefit from a little bit of a lift. It's lower than the Tacoma by a little bit, uh, especially at the quarter panels. You can really tell the difference. I mean, Tacomas look lifted from the factory. They look tall. Yeah. Like if you get a TRD, um, Nissan's going to kill it with this thing. It's going to be really popular for them. It's a, I think it's a great truck. I think people should take a look at it, at least go drive it because it drives really nice. Yeah. And then hopefully the aftermarket responds, um, you know, it's 70,000 units a year. That's a lot yeah. of, of trucks. So there, it seems like that there's a benefit to having some aftermarket support of it. I don't know. And then the, I guess I'm moving on to like the midsize truck segment as a whole. I mean, we've got Colorado, we've got Canyon, which are, they're very, very similar vehicles. Uh, we've got the Gladiator, mm. we've got the Ford Ranger, we've got the Tacoma, and then we've got the Nissan. There's the Gladiator and then a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll bite, I'll bite. So tell me what you believe makes the Gladiator the superior choice in the segment. Um, it's designed to go off-road, not to deliver parts at Napa. Oh, gotcha. Okay, yeah. fair enough. It, it, it is the only vehicle on the market where its primary purpose, the only vehicle in that segment, where its primary focus and purpose is off-road first. Mm-hmm. It's designed that way. So 37s, factory lift. Yeah. Shall we move on? Well, and there's even more. If you think yeah. about it, you can get a diesel, Yep. which you can't get the diesel in the Bison anymore, I believe, um, which is, a, which is sad. Inevitably, we're going to get that recon. I think it's the recon package that's on the yep. Wranglers right now. That was kind of a response to... Bronco that gives you, at least on the Wrangler, gives you 456 gearing. Yep. Um, and that gives you 35 inch tires. Yep. Um, available steel bumpers front and rear, winch capable front bumper from the factory, factory rock sliders. Um, and with all of that, still has some of the best payload in the segment. Yeah. Um, if you took a Ford Ranger, which has also very good payload, and you added steel bumpers front and rear, yeah. rock sliders, skid plates, you don't have much left. You don't have locking differentials, all that kind of stuff. It, it's, it's more money to purchase up front, but you're getting something with a factory warranty. Yeah. And if you get the sport with the max tow package, 1600, you can get 1600 pounds of payload, which I think it's 1700 pounds actually. Yeah. It, I think with, they updated it. It was 1600 pounds at launch. And then they, with the manual transmission, you get 1700. Okay. Which is awesome. Well, yeah. maybe you can't get them. There's some configuration that you can do that gets you to 1700 yeah. pounds. It's some, yeah. Like obscure, and that's another thing. You can get a manual transmission in the Gladiator, which you can only get in the Tacoma. Otherwise, I believe that's the only other option for a I manual so. Tacoma and Gladiator. Which, like, hats off to Jeep and Toyota for at least giving us the option of having a manual. I think that for me, I would be very tempted to go buy a manual transmission Tacoma 
because it's like they're just going to not be, you just won't be able to get it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, those cars will just be gone or, or like the base sport gladiator with a manual and then just add a few things that I want to add to it. But I mean, the gladiator that I drove with that diesel, I drove it out to New Mexico, all off-road on the way there. Yeah. And then I got a U-Haul trailer, double axle trailer, and I put the AEV Brute of Mike McMods on there with a diesel in it. And I, pulled, and I pulled it all the way back. Did it pull it brutishly? It, you know, it pulled it great except for, and this I, Jeep has to be aware of this, but like it, it has some cooling trouble. Like it has some cooling difficulties. Yeah. I, I could see that though. I mean, it, it doesn't have a wide grill. Yeah. It doesn't have a lot of ways to, to shed that heat. Yeah. Um, part of the form factor. Yeah. If you're pulling six, 7,000 pounds with it, I think it's really pushing it. Mm. Like if you're pulling a 3000 pound boat or a 4,000 pound or a 3000 pound off-road trailer or whatever, it's going to be great or or camper yeah. or something like that. I think it'll be great, but it does struggle with the heat a little bit. So you make a great point on the gladiator. I mean, it's, it's literally so purposely made for around the world travel right yeah. out of the box. I mean, I'm biased, but I paid full retail for mine. Like I, I, I didn't get a deal from FCA or something. It's just that I happen to be really enthusiastic about that product. Yeah. I've taken mine all over the country. It's been flawless. And you make a good point about 37s. What else can you put 37s on with very little modifications? Nothing. Drives like stock. Yeah. Like you can even write 37s and you're gearing into the factory traction control and PCM. Like, wow. Now we have two fly. Jeez. Now it's now it's, I think Nissan, it's, your shirt. it's Nissan and Tacoma owners trying to kill me. Um, it's the flowers on your shirt, man. They're, they're attract- really, they're attracted, they're attracted to my madness. To, gin- to ginger. I'm not they're, ginger. I think we should pull our audience. We should, we should do that on like when we do our first ask me anything, which will be very soon, by the way, those of you who are listening, please send any questions that you've got about anything, including Matt's hair color. And we'll talk about it on the AMA. Because I think we should. I think we should. Not ginger. You know, I think that the the ZR2 and the AT4, yeah. why are they separate companies? I don't understand. Like, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, is GM supposed to be more premium than GMC Chevy? is GMC is supposed to be more premium. Yeah. Mm, sounds. That's why they have like the Denali and, and then. Sounds the, like something that will go away the next time they go bankrupt. Maybe. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it. N- not that I'm singling them out. They've all gone bankrupt. Yeah. Except for Ford, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think except for Ford. I mean, I didn't know Toyota hasn't gone bankrupt. Yeah. Because they're still selling us drum brakes. <laughs> Yes. They've amortized the, the, the development cost over. It shows how little we know, right? Yeah. Let, let's take the motor from this minivan. <laughs> Toyota's got it figured out, right? They know how to stay profitable. But, but it, it is so hard to argue against the Tacoma. I know I kind of rag on it. I rag on it because I've seen what Toyota is capable of. Yeah. Um, they just kind of consistently by choice seem to lag behind in the marketplace. That's what I have a little bit of an issue with. And that's what I'll take issue with, with Nissan on this is again, like the D 23 is a wonderful chassis. I don't know. And it's such a competitive marketplace. I mean, five years ago, it was the Tacoma and the Nissan. Yeah. That was it. Yep. Um, there were, they only rep- had to, they only had to compete with each other. And that's then you right. started seeing the the U S companies come in. That's right. You know, there's been a lot of rumors about a, a you know, a mid-sized Ram coming yep. out. That'll be, that'll be interesting to see what Stellantis. Yeah. I hate that name. Yeah. It's just, it that so was an much. interesting one. Like, like yeah. I could get behind FCX. It's like, yeah, Chrysler automobiles. But yeah. Now like Peugeot. It sounds like 
synergy. Which like is, why even change it? Like Peugeot is never going to sell a single vehicle here. Like yeah. Fiat, I think has sold like five. <laughs> yeah. Like not very many. I mean, Chris Cordes bought a Fiat. Yeah. I don't I think I still broke, don't know. Like, I still don't know how he how fit he in fit. that, how he fit in that car. I remember the first press car I got, Scott Brown sent me like a Fiat 500 rag top convertible and me and Charlie were in, it was like pearl white with a red interior. <laughs> You've had some interesting experiences in Fiat's like coming back from outdoor retailer with Brian McVicker. Oh, the rental. Yeah. You were in a rental Fiat 500 and nearly died from a deer impact. I just remember like screaming. I heard this is, this th- is the last car you want to be in is a Fiat 500 hitting, hitting, any, a deer hitting anything in Flagstaff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but surprisingly, like the rental car company didn't even know. Well, and it didn't have just like slobber, <laughs> slobber all the way over the roof. <laughs> and it had like a little chunk of hair. I mean, the deer like was probably shaken up. Like, you know, it was, it was just gone. Like yeah. there was nothing we could do. It was, yeah. it was like two in the morning in Flagstaff. Yeah. Like we had just made it through the res without getting hit. And we're, and then all this, we're like 12 Red Bulls deep for after <laughs> Easter Jeep Safari. And then this thing goes, Pfft. Yeah. on my side. Um, what I just, I just remember Brian telling the story about him screaming, which woke you up because you were sleeping. And then you just started into screaming. You didn't even know it was <laughs> what had happened. This is what we're doing now. Okay. <laughs> okay. So Ford Ranger, yeah. you have more experience with that than I do. Yeah. We had a long-term loaner from ARB, uh, their blue one. Looked and really great. It did look really great and it worked really great. I like the fact that it's very compact. It's like the smallest of all of but the trucks. But it feels a little bit bigger inside. Yeah, maybe. I, I thought. Yeah, maybe. I, I I hadn't thought of it in that way, but um, you know, Ford with their like turbocharged anything with a 10 speed attached to it. So good. Yeah. I mean, I mean that that's where Jeep needs to be careful. Yeah. Is Ford drive lines. Yeah. They are the best. Let's go from the top. You go get a tremor. Yeah. With rear locker, front with limited slip. Over a thir- thousand pound, yeah. pound feet of torque and a 10 speed. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it, it's literally the most powerful thing I've ever driven. Like yeah. not the fastest, but it was not so, to be, yeah. it was so unbelievable. You felt like you were literally ripping the asphalt off the earth. Yeah. It was, it was like, you wonder how do they keep tires on this thing? I mean, it, the only thing that works is traction control, right? I mean, it just, it makes so much power. And then this Bronco we've been driving totally rips. Yeah. I mean, it definitely is faster than a Wrangler. 100%. Probably not a faster than a Wrangler 392. I No chance. Know, but Well, 310 horsepower versus 470. Yeah, sure. Exactly. Like, but it feels great yeah. with, the, with the turbo and the 10 speed. And it just moves it around. It's really fun. Super fun to drive. Yeah. And, and okay. So what's your ranking? Top to bottom. Well, I guess we got a real quick, you know, the Bison is still available, which is really important. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we, you know, the... The Z, the suspension on the ZR2, in my opinion, is the best suspension yeah. on any of them uh, because of that Multimatic. Um, it's it's just yeah. excellent. The right Multimatic up. stuff is like it's it's no joke. Yeah, I mean, my argument against it has always been that really great shocks. What's the first thing that people do to a four wheel drive? Yeah, they change the shocks out. They suspension. change the shocks and the suspension and yada, yeah. yada yada. And okay, boom, there you go. This is what they, that, that's the suspension that they use on the Ford GT. Mm-hmm. Actually, Multimatic builds the Ford GT in sure. Canada, not go. an American made car, by the way. 
It is the suspension on Ferrari Challenge cars. It's serious. It, yeah, and it seems like the only people who kind of rip on the suspension just don't think about how it. They don't drive it in a way that maximizes the way that it yeah. works. And it doesn't mean that you have to drive it fast. It just means understand the capability of the suspension and then let it work. And it's really, it's. I mean, it's great. You know, I think that we're going to keep seeing GM respond in that way. I think they're going to. Keep- I, I love their new facelift. I mean. Yep. Front lo- front locker. That's another. I thing would to love think about. to spend more time in that vehicle. Yeah. Um, oh, we need to get another one in for some more testing. I yeah. think. But it's the only other option other than the Gladiator with a front locker. So and a diesel engine. It is. It is actually. It's like somebody was listening and they're like, "What do you want in a four wheel yeah. drive?" Okay, so you want front and rear lockers. Okay, yeah. cool. You want crazy suspension. Okay, cool. You want wider <laughs> fenders. Yeah. Like the Raptor, but on yeah. a smaller truck. Okay, cool. Boron steel skid plates. Yeah, and then, know, and then they bumpers. do the AEV treatment yeah, to exactly. it. Exactly. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's really good. Raquel has one. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she loves it. She loves it. Oh, that's cool. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, because Raquel is awesome. That's we're talking about Raquel from X Overland, by the way. Yeah. Amazing human being. Um. So yeah, my ranking. This is interesting. You put me on the spot here. I think this is important though to think about. I would say that. So or is this like what I would buy and drive right now, or what I would buy and drive around the world? Well, we are about overlanding. <laughs> so which one would you put your pith helmet on yeah. and drive around the world tomorrow? I would be really tempted to go with the diesel gladiator. I think that, mm. I think that, or, uh, or the max tow package sport gladiator, because I like the fact that the vehicle has so much capability. Um, so I would be inclined to making that first because unfortunately when it comes to Toyota reliability, Toyota the Tacoma is not the class leader anymore on reliability. So I wouldn't buy it for that reason. I do really like the Tacoma, but I would take the Gladiator or the Bison, either mm. one of those two. Yeah, I think I think the Gladiator, the Gladiator has more payload. So like the Bison just needs that extra two, 300 pounds. The Gladiator would probably be number one for me or the, or the Bison. I'm Where not, would the Frontier land? Yeah. I guess that's what I'm I'm trying to make a point on is that it is now the newest vehicle in the segment. Yeah. But is it even competitive at the top? You know what I think I would want to do with the Nissan? It, I think it would be a great exercise in a great tool for the job. And you literally, you just leave with it stock. Maybe you put a little like an AT Overland Habitat or something on the top of it. And you just go like you buy the truck. You put the little habitat, whatever you want on it, um, go fast, take your pick. Right. And then you drive away and you, and like, you never Instagram a thing. You become like, like, you just go enjoy an adventure on a vehicle that will most certainly bring you all the way around the world and back again for $37,000 plus how much is a habitat? Let's call them 10 with some options. Okay. So you're at 47,000. Let's just run through the math real quick. You're at 47 grand. With the habitat, you don't do any other modifications yeah. to it because it doesn't need it. If you look at a $70,000 Gladiator, you would have enough money to buy the truck, put on the habitat, and, and drive, drive around, around the, the world, world for less than it would cost to buy the Gladiator. So to me, it always comes back to like just being open and honest about the influence that our ego has on our decisions. Like, mm-hmm. like if, if we just want to travel, then... Why, why don't we get the most reliable one? That's Nissans are sold everywhere in the world, you know? Except that this is a US only model. Yeah, but like you can go into a Nissan dealership and like they'll, they could probably send you, send some parts probably or whatever. Out, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and not that I'm making the argument in that 
perspective, but it is a global brand and then just make it about the trip. Whereas like that little, like I want to do the camel trophy, Saba Malaysia thing. It like, I want the gladiator. I want this, like that reserve capability. I want that capability and that like adventurous projection out into the world of like, I am adventuring now as opposed to a delivery truck, you know, but the reality is that we should probably get the Nissan and spend the th- extra 30 grand going around the world. Right. I think it's, it's really attractive. Yeah. I think it's, uh, so what would your, what would be your, or I would, totally I didn't even take I didn't it to coma. I didn't even say. Yeah. I'd, I'd take it to coma, put like 37s and long travel on it. And I'd spend like 150 grand and, uh, perfect. Um, do the Mojave road. Sorry. It's just too easy. It's too easy. No, I mean, I would drive what I would want to drive. Yeah. And you've already got it. And I've got it's it. It's parked right here in the, um, you know, I think, although we should probably, I mean, what, what was the most recent modification that you did your, your gladiator and how did that turn out? Are you ready to talk about this? Let's see how it pans out. But I decided to do a Magnuson supercharger and currently my car drives like a bucking Bronco. Yeah. 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 Apparently, apparently because, um, the kit's not designed for, uh, heavier vehicles than stock and uh, vehicles with larger di- gearing lar- or larger diameter tires, so. which is every Jeep in the world, which is every Jeep in the world. So <laughs> how much have we learned about like trying to modify these cars? Like unless it's I mean, totally- how many times have I pontificated about leaving the driveline stock yeah. and then I mess with it and I get bit. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think what's interesting with my particular gladiator is um, it has a lot of firsts on it. Mm. There's not many long range tanks. There's not many that are supercharged. Uh, it had the first AT habitat kind of camper. Or, yeah. Or I have a summit, not a habitat. I always mix them up, but yeah, yours goes instead of, yeah. And I just put the, the new AEV suspension on it. So oh, nice. really and an AEV snorkel. I mean, now that the AEV stuff is available, it's just like send it to AEV yeah. because it works. Yeah. Every time, every time. Yeah. Now so. we have, we're getting close to the end of the podcast and we have not been, totally fair to the Tacoma. Um, and again, I think it's just because Matt and I love Toyota vehicles and we've we've driven them around the world and the Tacoma is no question. One of the most capable off-road. Yes. It, it has the most aftermarket support and, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to argue on that. You think that the gladiator has more? Sure. Half of it's a, half of it's a Wrangler. Mm. You know, like I wonder what the Gladiator would have that you couldn't get for the Tacoma. This is a few, a few year old data in terms of aftermarket spend, according to SEMA, Wrangler first, Mustang second. Mm. And then I don't know where the Tacoma falls in that, but um, you know, there's only so many different varieties of UCAs that you can do. Well, and maybe that's it. You can get anything you want for yeah. a Tacoma. Yeah. Maybe not as many different options yeah, as what you yeah. could find with a yeah. Gladiator, but all of the aftermarket support that you would want, you can get with that. There's a huge community of owners that can help you yeah, huge, make, great make, community. make decisions on what, what to buy. The vehicle's very confidence-inspiring off-road. It does have that Toyota heritage of reliability. And I think that there's just something very familiar about buying a vehicle like a Tacoma. And it's also a pretty good financial decision. I mean, I don't know if the Gladiator has a higher resale value, but like if you go to try to buy a two-year-old Tacoma, you basically spend what you bought for what you would spend on a new one. Well, So the the resale value alone makes it a great argument. This is an area that I 
have, have some knowledge in cause I'm always buying and selling cars. It's, it's a hobby. Like I work in the auto industry during the day and I play around with cars and stuff at night in my garage. I mean, what else are we doing during COVID? You know, very fortunate to be able to do that. I, I guess I should say, but, um, Toyotas have, and always have sold for sticker. Mm-hmm. If you get $500 off on a Toyota, you're doing good. Yeah. Um, you know, you can go and get a, at a, at a certain point you could go and get five, six grand off of a gladiator. That was never the case with Wranglers. Wranglers were like Toyotas. Wranglers sold for what they sold for. That's why they've always had stellar um, residual values, but you know, they're chasing the volume game. Mm. Um, You know, so I don't know if that's true anymore. I don't think that the resale value of the gladiator is poor. No, I wouldn't Um, say so at all. And I, and yeah, I, I don't, I don't think it's poor. I think that you maybe don't, you know, you can really option these things up. And I don't know if you see all of the value back mm. on those options. Financially, buying a new Tacoma, like it's a, I mean, I, I had a, a Toyota 4Runner, which I, I really, I, I liked it. There's things I didn't like about it. I didn't like the gas mileage. I did a really modest lift and a really modest tire size. I mean, it, you could kind of tell it was modified if you looked at it. And with the roof 10, I was getting like 10 or 11 miles to the gallon. Yeah, that's, that's what my earth rummer gets. Right. <laughs> you know, so again, it's like, it's not that I'm, criticizing the vehicle i'm criticizing toyota and i'm just saying do better yeah right like i i think that the previous generation tacoma i liked more oh yeah for sure current generation tacoma i liked the four liter more um i want to say you still had a six speed or you had the five speed that was because they shared the forerunner drivetrain yeah yeah anyways yeah my first my first big project was a 2004 tacoma trd and i double drove yeah yeah, drove it all all over the place grossly overloaded, which mm-hmm. I learned a lot from, but the vehicle never failed. Yeah. And it went from tuck to all the way to the Darien gap. I mean, that, that truck was really, really robust. And I think if I could like swing a magic wand and somehow like tell Toyota what I would love to see with the next Tacoma, I would love to see the five link coil sprung rear suspension. We're going to see in the Tundra. I'd love to see that in there. I would love to see an eight or 10 speed transmission yep. with a five and a half to one minimum first gear. Yeah. Give us some really low gearing because once these trucks start to get loaded up, they need that mechanical advantage. And I I can't imagine that they're going to go with the same engine again. There's going to probably be something hybrid or something turbocharged or whatever, which I think will be great. I mean, Toyota will do, will build something great. When, when the mid cycle refresh of that vehicle comes out, it will likely, I will, I will likely change my opinion on it based on what happens. Right. But make no mistake. Toyota is selling you a minivan engine, the same frame from the previous generation, the same greenhouse in the previous generation, you know, the, the same rear axle with drum brakes mm-hmm. because they can, not because they're offering value. Right. And we're now in this market segment where you have the ZR2, you know, you have the Colorado, you have the Ranger, you have the Gladiator and brand loyalty, which we both have to Toyota. If I'm going to do a serious trip around the world, you get a Toyota. Yeah. You get a 70. Yeah. You get a 200. It's yeah. just, it's not really a question. They're great, but they can do better. Yeah. And if nobody says do better, yeah. Um, they're not going to. Yeah. It's literally just because we care. It's like, and that sounds kind of yeah. cheesy, but it's literally because I've entrusted my life to Toyota products mm-hmm. and literally trusted my life to them. And I want to see them reach their full potential with the mid-sized When you're in the truck. skeleton coast, what do you take? Yeah, that's right. You take a Land Cruiser. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Well, on that. 2022 Nissan Frontier and the uh, mid-sized truck recap. Take I like care, it. Guys. Yeah. Talk to you next time.